Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to roundtable number... Okay, let me see here. I lost track. I should have wrote that down. Five, six-ish, something like that. I don't know. Uh, But uh, tonight, and we are at a special location, we are at Wine 121 here in Omaha, Nebraska. We want to thank the proprietor and part-time stand-up comedian, Tom Crable, the head boys basketball (laughs) coach at at Boys Town High School. Tom, you doing all right tonight? Doing great, and thank you for being here, and thanks for asking. Awesome, awesome. Mark Kruger, the head girls basketball coach at Millard West High School. Kruger, go Cubs. Yeah. Even though working out so well. Even though we're not good right now. No. No. And Doug Woodard, the father of the five families of Bellevue, <laughs> Nebraska, apparently. They've, they've got the lake compound. They're going to go to the mattresses here sometime soon. Coach Woodard, how are you doing? Doing fine because my Braves are the only team they're doing any better than is his Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Our Cubs. We, 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 we share misery. Misery loves company here. So, um, We're sitting in Tom Crable's new business venture. Tom, you're, yes. you're a proprietor. I am. Yeah. How did, yeah. how did it all come about? Well, like anything in life, um, timing, um, the opportunity arose right after last basketball season. Um, a college roommate of mine brought it to me, and um, just timing in life, um, new ventures, trying to branch out things other than Boys Town and basketball, mm-hmm. um, and it just seemed like the right thing, the right time, um, the right price. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of yeah. those things, uh, the stars kind of aligned, yeah. and um, I can't say enough about the administration I have at Boys Town allowing me to to do that uh, leave my other positions at Boys Town and yet keep my coaching uh-huh. uh, that was a big that was a big hurdle to this uh-huh. and so it's all worked out great and we're off to a great start finishing up our first quarter in, in the in the black yeah so that's that's great have a lot of coaching friends stop in and and buy cheap wine I wish coaches drank you know, more expensive wine. But well, well, if we got we'll, paid we'll, more, we'll we would to, buy. We'll try we to, would we'll, buy more. We'll see if we can't work that out. Coach Woodard being, you know, exhibit number one. We're trying to get him to if I had more wins to and celebrate. Yeah, buy more. yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll next when Bellevue wins, Bellevue wins is like twentieth or whatever it is. It's John Wooden like thing. Yeah. We'll pop the cork in here next year. <laughs> well. Uh, Actually, you would think that losing would attract coaches. Yeah. You know, it's just saying. like, you know, we need to drown we our sorrows somewhere. Party, we try to keep a happy, positive place, so we try to keep the <laughs> negativity out of here too much. Tom, I've known you long enough. <laughs> I know you're full of crap when you say that. So um, so what's uh, uh, what do you guys specialize in? I mean, I know because I've been here a few times, but, but sure, what's it all about? We're a high-end. Uh, I wouldn't say high-end. We're, we're a, a Napa you know, old vine wine type place. You can find a lot of different varieties, varietals on our shelf. Um, but we couple that with bourbons mm-hmm. and whiskeys mm-hmm. um, of a different variety. And then we have a bar. So we're one of the few places in Omaha where we're retail. You can come in and pull it off the shelf, um, but you can also pull it and drink here. And we have a, a mm-hmm. kitchen and a bar attached. Mm-hmm. So we're one of the few places that are retail and on-premise, as they call it. You're, you're uh, to, to reference baseball, you're like a five-tool player in the wine industry here. Well, you'd hope, yeah. yeah. That's what we're trying yeah. to build, like anything, you know. It's... you got retail, you got a bar, you got food. Yeah, yeah. What were the other two things that you rattled off there? I don't know, good-looking wait staff, which is not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, uh, 
bourbons, whiskeys, bourbons, bur- whiskeys and, and bourbons. Things. There you go. And there's your there's your five tools. I'm trying to branch out. I'm trying to to educate myself uh, into the tequila and other types of things that are kind of making a comeback. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you were educating us about standing up a bottle of wine versus laying a bottle of wine down and all this other stuff. There's a story about Kruger and I in Indianapolis where I taught (laughs) him all about legs on a bottle, a glass of wine that he... Well, that's kind of off the off the air here. I was a little more bit, interested but... in the prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> I, Marty, I got a lot of useless knowledge. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, I could I could fill up a podcast with useless knowledge. If, if a pen and a napkin ever falls off the face of the earth, with after this five minutes, it might. Uh, you know, I, I could I could restart it with '80s movies and and uh, '80s music and and that type of thing. Well, after so, this, I think about the only people listening are our families. So that's you know my kids. That'd be no, it, so. no, I'm sure Siski and Markley will be at the other maybe, end of this here. Maybe. So, so uh, I appreciate the, the the shout out and appreciate you doing it here. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, great. Uh, just real quick, uh, location and hours, and then we'll jump into some hoops. Yeah, 120th and center right behind Nobby's okay. those, uh, um, Tuesday through uh, Saturday we're open Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday 3 to 11 um, okay. Saturdays were noon to 11 for retail and, and open have a patio we got a lot of good stuff going on a lot of events wine mm-hmm. tasting bourbon tasting wine121omaha.com is our web page and Facebook wine121omaha alright so go awesome check well. us out Thanks for having us. Greatly appreciated by all of us. We have a nice central location. Get out of the house a little bit. It's only about, what, 206 degrees Fahrenheit out here tonight. So um, so I sent you guys a list today. We got, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five. I had six things. Where do you, I mean, where do you guys want to start at? Where do, where do we want to dive in at, guys? I mean, if we're all sitting here, let's just, let's just kind of go and let it rip. So where do you want to go? I don't know. The first thing that you brought up... Um you know, I think we've all had to deal with that in terms of um, having to uh, possibly play a younger player uh, instead of uh, uh, you know an upperclassman uh-huh. at times. So yeah. I think probably everybody uh, in coaching has had to deal with those situations before. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 start with that one. Um, you know, kind of, and that was actually Kruger and I talked last night on the phone, and uh, you know, that's something that we really haven't talked a lot about. Is you know, you have a, a junior, a senior. You have an incoming freshman or sophomore that's better than them, and and you've got, but but they're a good kid or a good player. You know, so so how do you guys communicate those situations? How do you handle it? That's that can be a, a bit of a dicey. Probably, uh, I don't know about you guys, but in my career, the the times that I've had to deal with players and or parents the most is that very scenario when you have a underclassman taking playing time and minutes and shots, et cetera, et cetera, from a from an upperclassman. Uh, so I'm all ears because this might be the the greatest question that that we can we can answer for our coaches listening. Well, I yeah, you know, it to the goat first, Dean. <laughs> yes, we got we got Don Corleone here preaching to us. So well, I I don't know that there's you know a formula or one way to do it uh, like anything else in basketball. I I think for us it's important. We try to always stress to the kids. You're not a freshman. You're not a sophomore. You're not a junior. You're not a senior. You're a player, uh-huh. and it doesn't matter. I mean, you didn't decide when you were born. You didn't decide when your parents put you in school. Um, and once a ball's thrown up, nobody's asking you what grade you are. So, uh-huh. who can make more basketball plays to help the basketball team be 
as, as good as it possibly can. And, and if an upperclassman's role is to, to be so in a support role and to be off the bench, then that's something they can either handle, and if they handle it, fine. And if they can handle it, then I think you got to be honest. you got to talk with them. And, and maybe it comes a point in time where that's a point of separation uh-huh. or whatever. But I, um, I, I just think you, you just – there isn't any um, gift for, for being older. Uh, at least I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, and, and I think the, 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 the deal is who's a better basketball player uh-huh. and, and who can help this team get where this team – possibly could that's just my view yeah i i would agree and you know just coming coming off our you know all of our summertime um workouts and and leagues and and things like that um i've i've sometimes taken the approach of you know giving giving the seniors kind of the a benefit of the doubt kind of giving them every opportunity in the summertime yeah um so then come the fall if you have to have those conversations like coach woodard said um, you know, you have, and you know, in high school basketball, we don't have the same resources. You know, we can't, at least I can't, you know, film practice, stat everything in practice, and, and you're you're out in the suburbs. <laughs> you can do that if you want. You to know, do but career. but uh, you know, it'd be great to be able to stat every drill and every practice and break it down and show all this data that this player is better than you. Um, and we can do that to some extent, but um, like I said, it, it just kind of, you know. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, "Hey, you had your shot, you know, the opportunity, but you know, this is this is where it is." And and you think you had just like Coach said, you have to be honest with them. And and if it comes time where you have to break ties, you have to break ties. And some kids, some kids can handle that. Um, some kids, some kids can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had I had a player one one last thing. I had a player a few years ago who I who I cut as a junior. Um, came back um, at the summer going into her senior year and asked if she could come out again and she said I understand my role I understand I'm not going to play um, but I think I can bring a lot to the this team and and uh, she was one of the best leaders we had uh-huh. all season long uh-huh. um, I've brought her in in years past since she's graduated to come in and talk before games and, and things like that she was she's been great and I've never had another kid you know have that so and everybody's different yeah so i struggle sometimes answering these kinds of things because i'm trying to give people things and we are such a unique animal yeah and unlike any other school in the state um, we're the junior college of high schools i remember that when you were you said that when you were on the pod before we literally have maybe 25 freshmen in the entire school so i maybe have one freshman in the whole program so we have to, though, quickly um, get kids on board with what we would, and I hate the word, but so the culture that we've created over 21 years at Boys Town. And part of that culture is communicating to our kids very quickly on day one, um, from, my, from me, out of my mouth, best players are going to play. Uh-huh. And if you show me you're one of the top five players, top ten players, you're going to play. I don't uh-huh. care if you're a sophomore, I don't care if you're a senior. And then the other thing we find... Again, with the, the type of kid that we're dealing with, an at-risk kid, a kid that's been, um, you know, abandoned at times and whatever, consistency in those messages are very, very important. So if I'm telling them best player is going to play, well, I better define that for them, and this is what I'm looking for. And we uh-huh. have, so to, to answer your question, we, I think communication 
consistency in that communication is very, very important to us, probably to everybody, yeah. to kids. Um, getting what you want, um, what, how, defining what exactly is um, what you're looking for at each position and each kid, um, those things are important to us and to everybody. And I, so I think that helps them understand that, hey, Jimmy's better than I am because coach is asking him to do these three things. He's a better rebounder. He's a better defender. I may score 10 points, but I might give up 20, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So those are things that we try to really do is define what is going to get you on the court and, and then stick with it. Yeah. Sometimes, sorry. Sometimes what makes it really hard, too, is, you know, when you have the underclassman, the freshman or the sophomore that, that walks into your program that's just uber talented and, and things, um, and, you know, you have in that upperclassman, that upperclassman might – outwork that younger kid and be doing all these things yeah. but it's still not good enough, enough. Yep. and so that's really hard when you know the kid is is working their tail off and they're doing the things that you tell them you need to do and they're doing it and this other kid is still going to be head and shoulders better than they are uh-huh. that's that's where I have a hard time like oh, how do I tell this kid that you know it's just those are the hard conversations that, Seems that we have to, me, to have I guess, outside but. looking in if I had their these two guys jobs the hardest thing would be when you're to a point where you got to look forward to the future. At what point is are these two kids maybe pretty close and pretty equal? However, we're having a 500 year. I'm building to a good thing next year. When is that going to supersede anything that that yeah. senior might want? That's yeah. that's to me. And I don't have that problem. I really don't. I'm, yeah. I, I'm senior heavy every year, and I don't. But that would be an enormous issue. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've tried to do is we meet, we try to meet with our kids in the spring and kind of, okay, here's where we kind of see at going into the summer. And then we try to meet with them before the season. We kind of try to lay those breadcrumbs out a little bit. So it's not like on November 25th and they're, oh my God, I didn't see this coming. We, we try to kind of leave those things out there. And um, you can, I, I like what you said, Tom, about being clear with your communication you're talking about your kids at boys town but i think that's with all of us regardless of our situation that we got to be clear and concise with our communication um but sometimes it doesn't matter how clearly and concisely we communicate our 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 situation and and what we our expectations and and what's going to take sometimes they just don't listen no matter what you know Uh, there's an x factor that i don't deal with Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know what it is. I mean. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> so that's. So. Um, how do you handle? And again, here's kind of the sixty-four thousand dollar question. We're in this situation. Uh, you've you've got a sophomore that's going to play ahead of a senior, and everybody can see except for maybe the senior and those people that love him at the dinner table. Um, the proverbial caca starts to hit the fan a little bit. You know how do how do you, how do you guys handle those situations? Uh, in in a generic, every situation is unique and different. But 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 how do you how do you try to work your way? What have you done in your careers to try to work your way through that situation to keep everybody? Um, well, I don't think you, you. If your main concern is to please everybody, um, you're going to fail right away. I think you should um, do. What would somebody say? Be a magician or sell ice cream if you right. want to make everybody happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think you have a you have an understanding. This is the way it's going to be. If you can handle that, here's your role. If you can't uh-huh. handle it, you need we need to to go different ways right now uh-huh. and not log this out 
uh, for five games or seven games or 12 games. Um, uh-huh. So that needs to be – and I think Krug's made a good point early that, that uh, yeah, the summer's a great time to give some of those – because you don't always know for uh-huh. sure how much is a kid – that's coming in, you think he's talented, or this freshman that's now a sophomore, you think he's improved, but you don't know till you really get him out and see him, you know, against other varsity players, and so you give, you give him a chance in in that summer, and then I think Marty, what you said, yeah, at the end of that summer or sometime early, have a talk with kids. Here's you know, here's where I see you, and barring somebody getting really injured or or something like that, this is probably going to be your role this year, and then there's. You try to, I think, eliminate those surprises as much as you can, and then if you still have a situation early in the season, I think you got to nip it in the bud. You don't let yeah. it go on all year. Yeah. yeah, I start, you know, with every year, you know, trying to be consistent right away, like with with your in your parent meeting, uh-huh. um, and and communicating with with parents on on how those conversations are are going to go, and they start with the kid. Yeah. Um, you know, we say we want the kid to advocate for themselves. And if they have questions or, or they don't understand why they're not playing or what their role is, then they need they need to you know communicate to us, and, and we'll talk to the we'll talk to the player. You know, I'm not I'm not answering those emails or phone calls from the parents that say, well, don't tell my my son or daughter that I called you, but yeah, that's and, that's you know, yes. I, I tell them I'm not you know I'm not doing that, um, and and so that helps too. And, and usually usually the the kid. The kid knows, yeah. and and I've, you know, there's no way to prove this either. But like, I've always thought that everybody, even parents included, everybody knows who the best players are. Yeah, and and in a bas- in basketball is a little bit different where everybody wants their kid out there with the four other best players. Uh huh. And and so that's where it gets tough. But um, again, you talk about communicating with the player. Um, you set that expectation with your with your parents. Um, that you know, I'll have that conversation with with your kid, um, and that usually handles it. And, and of course, there's you know maybe you know I don't think this last year I don't think I had any parent meetings, but usually it usually happens once a year, you know, where where things just get where you have to okay come in sit down and you know sometimes it ends well and sometimes it doesn't. But like Coach said, you can't you know you're not in this business to please everybody. Yeah. Well. I, I think that's really well said, you know, that you, you can't please everybody and, and you do your best to, and do, do you guys, do you guys go in and kind of give your ADs a little bit of a heads up that, Hey, I really think that the, the Smiths or the Johnsons, there might be some issues here. So, you know, here's what's going on with that. Have you guys ever done something like that? I, I mean, I don't as much cause we, we just kind of have, uh, Krug said, alluded to this and we just kind of have a policy that we're not going to talk about your son's playing time Mm -hmm. we're just not going to do it Um, so I mean that kind of you know somewhat eliminates those things I think if there's if there's some issue you think you're you're AD I think it's always good to inform them Mm -hmm. if you think there's some issue that you don't want him getting surprised with it. Yeah. But in terms of a playing time or spot on the team, I can't think of any time I've had to or gone in and talked to an AD about that. Yeah. I, I would just, you know, sometimes I would go in and say, hey, you know, I'm just anticipating here knowing this kid and knowing this family that after game three, you're, you you might hear some snipping from the Smiths or, or the Fettuccinis or, who, you know, whatever. So, um 
you know, that's something I've done a little bit before, just again, so they're not when they get that phone call. And again, most of your athletic directors are going to get that. They're going to they're going to understand that situation. So, well, we have solved that problem for every coach <laughs> in America, every high school coach in America. Um, so let's go here. We we're all pretty much done. The AAU season's over with. Uh, kids are transitioning into fall sports. Uh, what's kind of your guys's plans? What do you do in the in the fall to start getting ready for, you know, approximately November fifteenth? That's when we start here in Nebraska, right around. I don't know if it's fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth this year, whatever the date may be. Uh, you know, how do you guys build up to that start of practice? What do you guys do, Tom? Let's start with you. Well, uh, and again, this is going to be different, I think, because of the size of our schools. Um, two Class A coaches versus a C one B coach. A hundred percent of my players play football, and that's uh, that's a lot of me pushing them to play football because I love what that sport does for our kids. The things that our kids need to be able to do in terms of um, teamwork and cohesiveness, and you know, just athletic IQ and pushing through pain and all that kind of stuff, which I think a lot of Doug and Mark's kids probably get through youth basketball and youth sports at different times in their lives. My kids don't. Um, so 100% of them play, play football, um, which means we start our four, we'll start our four-person workouts um, in uh, middle of September. We'll go Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. We'll, I'm only going to do uh, three groups. Um, so, you know, that's 12 kids. First come, first serve? Well, no, we've determined who those kids are through okay. the summer process, through different things, open gyms. Um, and we are 100% uh, individual skill development, passing, shooting, um, catching, pivoting. It. You would walk in, I think Doug might walk into our first workout in September and go, Jesus, this is a third grade basketball camp. You know, we're literally jump stopping. We're literally pivoting forward, pivoting backwards. Our kids don't know how to do it. Our kids are unbelievably athletic and can dunk it any way you want it dunked, but we can't make a push pass and step with the right foot. Uh-huh. You know, those are kind of all the footwork things we're doing. And we got some good kids. Um, got one of Doug's former kids that was pretty raw when he came. We're still working through some of that rawness. Um, so that's all we do. We don't worry about skim, uh, systematic things. Uh, we shoot the ball a lot. I mean, we're fixing shots at that point. Um, we don't. We 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 don't play one on one. We don't do. I mean, it's all individual skill development until probably after the football season's done. Now, part of that is I don't want to get somebody hurt. Even yeah. if you're playing one on one, somebody steps on an ankle and he's our starting quarterback. Yeah. We got an issue with the football coach that I don't want. Yeah. So that's we're kind of protecting our football program too at that point. Um, but once football's done, then we'll get into the open gym playing, and then we'll get into the two on two stuff that you can do with four person workouts, things like that. Gotcha. I got a story about Coach Woodard here. I I could share with this real quick. So this was this was a long time ago. Right when I, well, my first year there, which would have been your daughter Kelsey's freshman year, if you know what year that was, mid two thousands, early two thousands, right? Yeah, probably. Okay. Oh five. Because that was three. Yeah. So my first year, my first year there was uh, was when she her freshman year, and this was. Again, a, quite a long time ago, and uh, I could still get up and down the court a little bit. And and you would ask me to come in and, and if I wanted to play pickup with with your guys after school. And uh, I was super excited. And school got out, and I ran down and got changed and got my shoes on and went to the gym. And I got there, and you had your guys on the line, and you had 20 minutes up on the clock, and they ran, 
and then I don't remember exactly what you know that every time they had to run or they ran basically you know killers or suicides whatever you call them these days they ran them for 20 minutes and I started to think well geez somebody must have gotten in trouble and we're not going to play today and I started almost like take off my shoes and then I, I mean there were there were kids going over to the trash can I mean it was it was it was intense I thought well I'm not going to play today hopefully maybe tomorrow and that 20 minutes went off and coach rolled the ball and he says all right shirts skins let's go I couldn't believe it like I again I had come from um, a small little you know school and had limited coaching experience at that point and I was just my eyes were huge I'm like they're gonna play now like these kids can't stand up and that was kind of my first introduction to one of coach Woodard's fall workouts with his with his did he yell at you for your lousy defense (laughs) (laughs) just just when I didn't pass him the ball (laughs) hey you gotta feed Don Corleone the ball when Don Corleone demands the ball here you know uh, so I don't know there's what a, there's a fall workout for you. Yeah, I don't know what Cruz is talking about there. I, I, you know, I he's he's sadly mistaken. But uh, do, you, do you want to talk about what you really do in the fall now, or do you want me just to go ahead? I'll go ahead. Okay. Well, All right. Um, you know, we got a little bit different. Some years we we have a lot of kids that play football. Um, some kids we we don't have as many. This coming year we might. I was sitting here thinking we probably have two out of what that now would look like maybe what we'd consider our top dozen or so. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we'll have another three or four out of maybe the next six or eight. Um, so a decent number of our kind of our JV varsity group. But we'll start lifting right when school starts and up just basically do that up until uh, Labor Day. And then Labor Day comes, then we, we're out uh, four days a week um, with some type of lifting and conditioning. Uh-huh. Um and, and then two days a week we'll have open gym and then um, every morning somebody one of the coaches will be in with a group of four for in its vast majority tilted to just skill development um, now later we will do some some targeted one-on-one stuff or two on two or, or, or you can't do three on three but uh-huh. uh, you know you just do two on two and in that um, and build some things um, with that as we move on but that uh it 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 does get pretty intense and you got to want to you know you got to want to be a part of that some kids i think go play football because they don't want to do that yeah 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 sign me up to go run a crossing pattern (laughs) rather than doing what i just saw in there so um you see i'm i am kind of like tom or at my new school at my new job every kid will be in softball volleyball or cross country uh, and i won't have any basketball only kids until any of those sports are are done uh but we, what we started doing uh with with all our kids uh my last couple of years at my old job was we we call it breakfast club and we would just put the balls out in the in the gym and just okay before school we want you to make x amount of this that and you know there's no coaches working with anybody or anything like that and we kind of we kind of made it into a game and we awarded points for attendance and you know the the, the clock would start at 7:15, and the, the the first player that got whatever whatever the numbers were 20 free throws and 23s made there you know you got x amount of points if you got it done within 10 minutes or 12 minutes or you know whatever something like that um and that kind of helped us and you know, when I was at a bigger school, we kind of did what you guys do, where it's, 
you know, start lifting after Labor Day. I usually gave my kids till after Labor Day uh, to just, just, just ease into the school year. And then after Labor Day, we, we lift um, for most of September. And then we lift and run starting in about six weeks out um, to kind of, kind of build them up to it. But um, our, when, when you guys do your four person workouts, it's, it's just all skill work, right? Yeah. What's, if, yep. if you're looking to isolate one or two major things, what are you guys isolating to get your kids ready for the school year or ready for the season? Excuse me. So um, the past the past couple of years, um, I've really I've really focused on like ball handling and finishing around the rim. Uh-huh. Um, it just uh, I think it's something that's kind of undertaught. People go, oh, you know, make layups, make layups. Well, you know, so we really work on teaching. Know, different different kinds of finishes um, you know reading reading the advantage you have on your defender and if I have this advantage I probably want to use this finish and if I have you know not as big an advantage maybe I want to go off two feet and go strong finish and just teaching them first of all teaching them the finishes and then when to use them and, uh-huh. and things like that and then of course just getting shots up yeah. um, those are the two big things that uh, that we focus on on our our skill stuff uh-huh. um, and I are kind of not like I said, maybe not as intense as what I've seen Doug do, but we'll do something similar. Like you said, we'll, we we I give my kids off till after Labor Day, um, and I may open up the gym on a Sunday night or something, and just say, "Hey, balls are out. If anybody wants to come and shoot, and I'll leave them alone, and they can shoot on the gun or whatever." Uh-huh. But we'll usually lift um, three nights a week uh, with conditioning, and then uh, um, I in the I, this is something I've changed to where. I used to not do a lot of open gyms. Um, I never thought the kids, like, I think it turned into just goof around time because I couldn't really coach them, you know, in that situation. You don't have the control. Right. And so they would start screwing around, and I'm like, I don't want to be mad at my team in September. Yeah. Um, And so I just stopped doing open gyms. We'll just do skill workout. In the last couple of years, I've had girls come, hey, can we do open gyms? And I'm like, well, shoot, if they want it. like. So they've they've been much better and things lately so that's something I've done I've done more of um, so like maybe we'll get one night a week and then on a, on a Sunday or something so uh-huh. so three workouts a week and a couple of open gyms in the fall yeah well with the trash can set out on the side <laughs> so um, yeah and, and I think it's just you know any, any skill you're isolating coach or skills what are, what well, are one or two things that you're looking about doing I think it varies with, with with each kid. We try to put them in groups where maybe there's some similar either issues or, or thing, areas to improve. But one thing we, we really try to do is, for instance, if we're focusing on footwork, um, we try to uh, weave that in with actions that our offense does. I mean, so we run a lot of read and react stuff, so we use a lot of circle motion. So in certain things trigger certain types of circle motion so we have that built into the drill and then well now you got to catch it you got to catch it the proper footwork then you got to lift fake or you got to jab step and and without traveling and 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 so we try to weave in the skill with something that is incorporated you know into our offense Um, or if it's proper footwork for what we would see as proper footwork uh on an in out um pass we work on that a lot uh, because we get a lot of uh, penetrate pitch, and so the ball's coming from the middle of the lane out, um, and and so you, we work a lot on that footwork and getting getting shot ready and uh-huh. and and, uh, and getting it off quickly. How much of this stuff do you guys delegate to your assistants? 
Um, quite a bit in the fall uh-huh. because I do a lot, if not a hundred percent, ninety-five percent of the summer stuff. I even go to the JV, unfortunately, sometimes to coach. My patience isn't very good with them. I've um, never noticed that about you, Tom. Yeah, so <laughs> I've never noticed. It's that. even less. What is your patience? Good yeah, I know. I just—it's pretty low with the. the as much as it is with you three, it's even less with JV players. So, um, you, have so. you ever been on an AAU sideline with a eighth or ninth grade girls basketball team with Tom? No, but I've seen him leaving the gym in Minnesota <laughs> at, the, at the request of a referee. I was twenty uh, something. Okay, no. <laughs> and, I, he, and he had fun with that for like yeah. oh i don't know 10 12 years yeah i'm not sure yeah <laughs> it dug's really good at, at not forgetting something for about a decade i uh, um i i, I spent a, a summer last summer with tom on the aau girls <laughs> circuit and what was the what was the saying you would use the whole time you have to in, in so i it, for those who don't know i have five daughters and yeah. i've coached the oldest now i'm the youngest and it drives me insane because i just one of the things with girls i i my personal opinion, you have to coach every step. You have to coach. Yeah, that's what you I have heard. To coach that's every what I heard. step. They they don't play as much pickup. They don't. They just no. in, inherently they just don't do it as much as boys. So um, now that's not true across the board. Yeah. Especially this day and age, it's clearly from the time my oldest came to my youngest. Uh-huh. Now it's gotten better. Yeah, um, definitely. But, um, but that was my saying yeah. in girls basketball. Um, I don't. I forget what the original question was. Was it? A, we we lost a, it. I think. Um, uh, <laughs> Oh, well, assistance. Oh, assistance. assistance. So, yes. yeah, assistance. yeah. So they, I, you know, I heard a great um, Tom Izzo. I'm a big Tom Izzo fan. Um, and I know I got in some trouble for touching a kid this year, um, but I, I, he and I have a lot of, um, a lot of things. He, he made a great point, and somebody asked him, "How can you coach your kids hard?" Um, those that have watched me on the sidelines, summer season doesn't matter. I coach my kids hard. Uh-huh. Um, and he made a great point. I feel like this, um, he has a license to do that, that he spent a lot of time with these kids to build a relationship with them that they understand him, he understands them, um, they understand what they want. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel the same way with my guys. Now, to your point, <clears throat> that takes time with me and them in the summertime, going to dinners, going to lunch as a group individually. I spend uh, a lot of time with my top ten guys on and off the court. Where I'm going with this is in the fall, I feel like they need to hear somebody else's voice. Yeah. And I do have, and this is probably a whole different subject about young assistants these days, um, My the young assistants I have on staff have a lot of great kid appeal. Um, they have a lot of individual skill development type abilities. Uh-huh. Um, they're not your old school assistants who want to someday be a head coach and they're going down that path. They want to be workout guys. Yeah. And so I have a, two or three of those guys. I'm happy to have them. They do a phenomenal job. So it's a great marriage. I give it off to them. I don't have to be there all the time in the fall. They, The kids and I get to kind of separate from those hard times we had in the summer and away you go. So I delegate a ton. Now I have a lot of influence on what those workouts look like. I don't uh-huh. just say have at it. Yeah, but that's that's kind of how well, I use my staff. Unless it's somebody you really trust and you know that they're going to kind of do what you want them to do. Yeah, but that was that for me was Cedric Hunter. I mean, oh. Cedric Hunter. We all know he and I, nineteen years together, we thought the same, saw the game the same. But that was developed over time. I don't oh. have. I mean, these guys. Yeah, they're younger. That, that's they're what I mean. Twenty, but yeah, yeah that's what um, I mean. But yes, I would. Yes, to, to I would. If I had so, if he was still on staff, 
I back away and let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. My first my first head coaching job was at you know at Bellevue West where where Doug is at, and at that time, um, my varsity assistant was was Terry Shelsta, who we all know here. Um, it was a long time, super successful um, boys coach at Omaha Benson, and had retired and was taking the second double you know double dipping down <laughs> teaching and decided to help coach girls basketball. And, and Terry was was great. I learned a lot from him um, being a, a rookie head coach. It was great having him on the bench, um, but he wasn't he wasn't doing morning workouts. You know, he just he was retired and he you know he was he was teaching and he was he was great during the season. Um, and that was part of the deal. I knew that going in. And, again, he was very valuable and, and wouldn't yeah. have traded having Terry on the bench for anything. Um, but I did I did almost everything. My other assistant didn't work in the building, worked out in the in the business world and things. So um, I was doing I was doing everything there. And then um, when I when I took the job at, at Millard West, the varsity assistant was the head softball coach. And you know, here in Nebraska, you know, softball's in the fall. And um, I had some other assistants, and we kind of would delegate a little bit. Um, now um, that assistant, um, said softball coach Don Brummer, he doesn't, he isn't on staff, my staff anymore. He's just the head softball coach. Um, so now I have somebody like Casey Hall um, and, and another assistant named Corey Ziering, who's been with me now five or six years. Um, and so now I'm able to delegate a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Coach Woodard was saying earlier, um, we'll you know, I'm there almost every morning, but if I'm not, then I can trust those guys to have a group. And and uh, and also, like Crable said, sometimes it's good that I'm not there, and they hear somebody else's voice and, and things like that too. So yeah, yeah. How about you, Coach? Uh, very fortunate. Steve Klein and Matt Lawrence, and you know my my top two assistants have been with me a long time, and they're they're just tremendous. Uh, both could be head coaches. Um, and then we got Mike Jenkins, who played for me, and then played at Omaha and was All American oh, yeah. at Omaha, and yeah. and uh, so I they know what we want to do, and you know we we'll talk about okay this week maybe we need to center on this or, or whatever it is, but then when it's their morning they've got it, uh-huh. um, they they design the morning they run with it, and um, I think the more you can do the more trust you can put in guys. Uh, the more they feel valued and like they have a, a good role on the staff, and the more they develop an ownership in the team and 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 uh, um, and, and really feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and assistants want to feel valued. Sure. I mean, we you know we were all assistants at they one should. point. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's something that you can give to your assistants to have them kind of take care of as well with it within within reason. Right. Yeah. So. Um, we talk about improvement season for our players. We want them to go out and get better jump shots and get stronger and quicker, better, faster, all that other stuff, you know. Uh, but I also think it's really important for us as coaches to get better as well and and to to work on things. So, uh, what's one or two things that you've kind of centered in, centered or, or, or zeroed in on in your own skill set as a coach that? you want to that you've tried to work on this summer to to bring to the table uh for your programs and and your own kind of skill set not to sound like liam neeson from what's that movie taken i have a special set of skills that you know (laughs) or whatever but uh uh, coach we'll start with you you know what's uh, have you have you worked on one or two things this summer that have that you want to kind of bring to the table with your team this year 
Well, I've tried to get smarter because Chucky's gone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I have to have a better intellect yeah. about the game. But, You've had a heck of a press break for the last three yeah, or four years. Yeah, you know, throw it to Chucky to, and get the hell out of the way. I have to design one now or yeah. something. But uh, no, you, you know, I think one thing I've tried to do, not necessarily anything one specific area, but I, I found this this website. I think it's called Nothing But Sets. And, and, and so you you know nothing but sets.org or .com but you know you go there and it's just got clinic notes whoever whoever's put this in you don't have to pay for it or anything but it's got clinic notes uh, speech notes um, set stuff from different it, it's endless and you go there and so I've made it a, a deal to try each week I want to go hunt for something uh, in an area that I think we might need, like for, for instance, we're probably going to have to do a few things a little different defensively, uh, specifically with ball screens, maybe than we have for several years. And so, I've, I've, I've tried to look up some things to educate myself because if I had my druthers, we'd switch every ball screen. Okay, uh-huh. and and I, I just think that that takes away more than it gives up. Unless it doesn't, uh-huh. <laughs> which it, it, well, it might not. If, if, if profound, it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if it works, it works. Well, I guess by that I mean if, if it's not it's not gonna do that if you've got a lot of small guards or you've got a lot of post players that can't guard guards. Okay. But if you've got if you've got a lot of similar guys, then I'd switch everything and yeah. just take people out of what they want to do. But probably gonna have to adjust that a little bit so that's what i've done is is to try to uh to, to get something each week out of nothing nothing but sets that's what i've done well yeah Crable? you know kruger and i were talking before we got here i've done a, a 180 on this thought from my career early on i didn't think you could get beat um from the three-point line early in my career i thought we play a lot of zone, let people shoot threes, don't give up drives, don't foul people, blah, 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 blah. Well, the game's changed. Even at the C1 level, you get your rear end beat a lot at the three-point line. Yeah. So I've been working on just how do we want to run people off the line? Do I care about chopping your feet anymore? Do I care about I just want to get you to put the ball in the deck and go and just get off that three-point line? And then what do I want to see happen at the back end of that? You know, we're not really a pack, never have been a pack line type, you know, organization because it takes yeah. a lot of time to teach kids that and we just don't have it. So yeah. I've been looking at a lot of that. Um, but to generalize it, defense, we've been a pathetic and pitiful defensive team. Since, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about since, your defense, Tom. Um, you know, since uh, a certain player of mine who's now visited five different colleges <laughs> in five years, since, he's, uh, since he left the program, you know, that particular team we had that was tall, long, and we could play anything, and we'd have been all right, even with him out there. Um, but since that, we've just been a bad, bad, bad team defensively, and we need to change that with a group, good group of kids that have a chance to win. So I spend a lot of my time just listening to anybody, anything that wants to talk to me about today's defensive strategies, not give up 11 threes in a game like we did multiple times, um, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, I think just one kind of goal I, I set for myself this summer and, and this incoming year is to just um, bring more 
energy into into practice with with myself and and my staff and we always talk about communication um you know talking on defense but you know i'm just talking about you know girls talking while they're out of the drill and just bringing an overall you know again energy and and into practice um we went to a team camp down at, at northwest missouri state this summer uh with austin meyer the harvard of the heartland yeah exactly yes and uh we were able to watch one of their they did a little practice and and their enthusiasm and energy was just off the charts you know and and our kids were able to go and and watch that and you know their eyes kind of were were wide like and and coach meyer said he goes this isn't just a show we're putting on for you guys you know this is what we do every day Uh and that was really eye-opening for me and and our girls and um you know there's there's we can't just flip a switch and and be that way um you know day one but i think it's it's a process and so that's one thing that uh, you know it's not X's and O's wise, but one thing I'm trying to to do this year is just have a lot more energy with starting with our staff and and yeah. have that kind of injected into our kids. Hopefully, yeah. That's when when I took over my new position. You know, I just felt like we needed just energy, just just positive energy. And you know, we did some we did some, we've done some things that have been totally different from the way I did it before when I was at my old job. You know, just I kind of said, we'll, we'll play music in practice, you know, which is something that five years ago I would have been like, no way in Hades I'm playing music in practice. But, you know, kids' minds are different today. Their their brains are different today, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of like this deal with the devil, you know. You practice really hard and you're great teammates and you concentrate and you can listen to anything you want to. Clean, of course, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the, the moment that slips down either we take it out or if it gets really bad we're putting in some duran duran we're putting in some mario Speedwagon, and you know that's just the way it's going to be and, and that was just a big energy boost for our kids uh and just celebrating or, or just having that energy like i think uh for me and i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast um we've all been there at certain points in our career where um winning at times is a relief it, it, it sometimes it's 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 not joyous as the way that it should be, and I think I, I know I don't even say I think I know I got to that point, and so one of the things, and this is just a stupid little thing, but the kids love it, is we win a game and we have a victory song and we dance in the locker room, we dance all together, and and I'm out there as a forty something, I won't give the exact age, but I'm I'm dancing in the locker room with the kids because we wanted to celebrate that and and have them have that taste of that 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 joy of of winning and 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 have that little proverbial carrot at the end of the stick um that's something that i really looked at when with with my two years off that that's something that i felt like i needed to do a better job of and so i've done that now it's it's a now it's okay how do we combine all of those things that we built culturally pretty well and that energy and that positive energy with okay now let's do you know Let's do a little bit more with the X's and O's. Um, one of the things that I did this summer, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, NBA TV has the NBA playbacks, and you can record every playoff game, but they but they cut it up to where the whole game is within an hour. You know, so I just, during the playoffs, I just set the, the DVR to record every one of them, and I would just, you know, go through a game or two, game or two a day and get that done within 45 minutes or an hour and obviously we're not running 
complex NBA sets with a Class C1 girls basketball team. But just to tweak the brain a little bit, and kind of like with you taking a look at the, the, the website, and, and you're looking at that, just, just little tweaks in my base philosophy that I really believe in. Okay, that's something that we kind of run that we can, you know, that's a little tweak that we could use in with ours, and I think our kids could possibly pick that up. Now, we'll see. We'll see if they do pick it up. But that's something that I've done over the off season. So, um, anything else, guys? No, not so much on that. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Sorry. That's the funniest. That's the most I've last on the podcast since Deal was on here. And he was talking about just going to Epley Airfield and just talking to random people in the airport. And if you guys know Deal, you could see Dave Deal just going around and talking to random people in the airport from all places. See, you can tell that Coach Woodard and I have a long history and um, probably never told him this. He's one of the influences in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I don't know if he remembers this, but he kept me out of a bad job um, when I was an assistant. Uh, I got offered a job that I'm not going to say, but uh, called him up and we talked about it and he said, you know, Crabes, that's a, I don't know, that's a bad job. I think I'd maybe go here and here and think about this and be patient and, and really kept me out of a bad situation. And then when yeah. I got a head job, um, offensively, you can hopefully watch us play and see a lot of his influences. I know one of his influences was Paul Westfall, but you know that's we still number guys. I still screw my guys up because my four is really the center who runs the rim, and my five is usually the trail who comes in. And that's yeah. So he and I see the game a lot. But where I'm going with this is we can tease each other a little bit, and we do tease each other, and we have uh, a good relationship. And, and Dan Schinzel kind of married that relationship a little bit when he was coaching. So yeah, cool. That's how we get awesome. to the point where I can make one-liners on him like that, and he can. <laughs> I'm used to him. I, I, I just think the whole basketball community apologizes to you, Doug, that you've had to spend as much time with Tom as you've had to over the years. So. We all have our crosses. <laughs> the, 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 first, uh, the first people at heaven are coaches' wives and husbands. That's right. You're not yeah. far behind. You're not Most far behind. Most people say my wife isn't far well. I guess she followed yeah. that first category. Yeah. Yeah, since we won three games last year. He wished that I would stop saying that he's one of my influences <laughs> until we could at least get into double digits again. Yeah. Ah, you'll get back there sooner rather than later. Yes. So, um, I put it on our list today, guys, and and uh, you know, I, I don't think in I don't know how many stinking podcasts I've done on this this feed or whatever. I don't know if we've ever talked about fundraising. I don't know if we and, and you, you unfortunately. It's something that we need to do with our programs in this day and age. You need a little bit more than the budget that the school will give you. Um, so what are, what are some things that you guys have done with fundraising over the years that have been successful for you? Or, or you've, maybe you've seen other people do that, is, that has helped, uh, you know, give yourself a little financial cushion to do some nice things for your kids or whatever it may be. So, Well, I mean, we've had... Uh, we usually do a golf tournament every mm-hmm. year. Um, years past, we've we've run a basketball tournament. Years mm-hmm. past, we've run a basketball tournament, or um, uh, and, and usually every year we we're in a deal now where we sell coupon books. Um, it's all the bane of my existence. I hate it all, but uh, I'll buy one of those. I'm gonna put it on Tom's tab, but I'll I'll buy it and I'll have Tom pay for it. So. <laughs> there, 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 
You're also, I mean, you know. He's a proprietor now. He, he can better have it. another he round before we start talking about that. You should get him to put a coupon in as well. There you go. There now, you go. Hey, now this has been valuable right here. This exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, who do you, uh, Kruger doesn't have to do anything. He's at Miller West. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, our, I mean, we do, you know, our, our youth camp in the summer, um, and that becomes kind of, you know, my basketball account money. Uh-huh. Um, we also have a, a booster club um, that's that's very active and just for are, for the whole school. Yeah, and I, you know, it, there's there's a general booster fund, uh-huh. um, and then there's also a girls basketball booster offshoot of uh-huh. it or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so, like through my through my camp. You know, I can use that money to, you know, to to uh, you know buy whatever it is I want to buy. Or, uh-huh. you know, I, I mean, it has to get approved and all that. But um, I was gonna say this. This is sounding a lot like uh, the creep uh, 1972 reelection no, no, campaign but, uh, for Nixon here. So, but <laughs> but basically, no. Like we don't do a lot of fundraising, like like Doug was saying about selling things and, and things like that. We are our youth camp and our, our booster club that our parents support and things like that. Um, and we're, we're pretty we're pretty good so I'm very lucky in, in yeah. that sense so. yeah the only thing I can say about this is that I'm really really good at asking for forgiveness rather than permission <laughs> so <laughs> I've gotten over over the time you know we're we are boys town we have a we operate a little bit and you the, are a Catholic school and we operate like a college a little bit for our kids and for reasons I won't get into take too long so I you know I just kind of tell them a week later that hey this bill's coming and <laughs> we're gonna do this and and then uh, try to hang out at my wine bar and that's uh that's kind of how we handle fundraising avoid direct eye contact <laughs> exactly yeah be hard to find that's the other thing if you be hard to find yeah <laughs> I know. some of those schools now that will take those trips down to the nike tournament in arizona you know I've, I've talked to some of those coaches and you know they're selling things they're doing car washes they're doing yeah. you know Fired firework stands in the summertime or on the fourth, and um, you know, yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. My, my, uh, what I've really gone to is I want to have one big event, and we're not going to bother you for the next 364 days. But I, you know, um, what we're what we're doing at at Fort Calhoun is we're we're going to have a cornhole tournament. And by the way, you're more than welcome to sign up for it, guys, if you would like. <laughs> August 21st. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I told my told my high school parents, you know, I don't want to nickel and dime you, not only for your money, but for your time. And I think you have to be really considerate of your your family's time that you're not asking for this and that all the t- the time. So, so what we've tried to really zero in on is we're going to do this one big thing this one day, and that's and that's all we're going to bother you for. And and I and I'm just, you know, there, there's so many demands on parents, you know. A lot of our kids, especially our better players, are playing AAU. They're they're having to pay money for for that, and then you feel like you're going back to to parents and asking for more. And you're asking, you are asking for a lot of time. You're asking for a lot of commitment in that regard, and, and that type of thing. That um, I just I just prefer to try to do one big thing. Uh, you know, what do you think about that, Doug? I think it's I think it's wise. I, the less we have to to go back to that well, the better. And uh-huh. um, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you have a permanent seat at the council for calling me wise. So anytime you want to come on, you just let me know because that's I, I, 
I have to go back many moons to be called wise again. So well, in present company, it's hard to find wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look who you're sitting around the table with. Touche, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you knew it was coming my direction. Yeah. Well, well I did notice that that. That uh, as I started thinking about uh, you know Don Corleone here and the five families, <laughs> he did take the Godfather seat with his back to the wall so he could see everything develop in front of him. Let's do that in a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, game nights and and what you guys do with your staff. Maybe a little game prep. Uh, what's kind of your routine on game nights and and uh, that type of thing. Um, you know what are you know what do you ask of your coaches on game night? Are you a, an eyeball guy and you just let them coach? You know, kind of watch the game, coach the game. Or are you asking them to, to do some slashes and marks and and things like that? Um, you know, what do you guys do with your with your assistant with with your staff in general on game nights? Uh, Mark, let's start with you on that one. Um, you know, I've I know I know Doug. You know, gets handed you know stat sheet at the, at halftime and everything. I've. I've been looking for somebody to try to, to try to do that, um, but I don't have that right now. Um, so I have one assistant that that just, you know, obviously the stats aren't going to be perfect. He's watching the game and, and sure. talking to kids on the bench. But, you know, I want to have some idea at, at halftime and things like, you know, how we do in rebounding-wise or at the free-throw line and, and, you know, how many, of course, how many fouls kids have and things like that. So I have one assistant um, that's kind of in charge of, of those things and another one um, that's – just just kind of watching the game, giving suggestions and helping, um, you know, make adjustments and, and things like that. Um, so there's usually just the just the three of us. Um, then my my reserve coaches um, are there for for some games and and not for others. Um, so they'll, you know, all, at halftime or things, you know, I'll ask them advice on one, what do they see and, and things like that. And and lots of times they may be in charge of. You know, talking to kids when they come off the floor, and uh-huh. you know things like that. But um, it's nothing too too organized as as far as everybody has X, Y, and Z, and you know, ten people on my bench or, or things like that. Um, kind of try to keep it simple. Uh-huh. Um, as far as as far as scouting goes, um, I mentioned that the three of us, me and myself, and and then you know Casey and, and Corey, my assistants, who I've you know been worked with for a while now, um, we've kind of taken the, the college staff philosophy where we'll share scouting uh-huh. scouting duties where again I used to do that all myself um, so you know I'll take a game if we play in Tuesday Friday Saturday or Tuesday Thursday Saturday we'll split them up uh-huh. um, and that really helps and obviously I'll you know be taking a look at, at all of them a little bit but it's a lot of the, the back breaking stuff of breaking stuff down um, and then kind of what we talked about with doing the skill works out giving your coaches those those opportunities to coach and so you know if we're doing some film work before a game um you know on a on on an evening after practice or on a saturday morning or something um you know i'll let that coach do it Uh Um, you know i'm not going to steal his thunder and claim i did all this stuff um so you know coach hall this was your scout take us through it yeah um and and that's really worked well for for us Uh all right i have a hard time letting go of the scouting thing like that's just like one of my, I'm like, I don't know, just that comfort of, okay, I'm really familiar with these guys, and I don't, that's that's just me. That's I'm just at the me. Point where you know, usually, most all the teams, especially here within the city, I'll have a pretty good idea of their players. Correct. Um, yeah. 
and so in that sense I, I kind of have an idea of what kids can do what they're good at for the most part um, so so that part I'm, I'm comfortable with so again breaking down you know what out of bounds plays are they running what are they you know how are they doing this or that um, you know, like I said I'm, I'm comfortable giving that stuff up now yeah. Tom I think it's um, important to us that we have a routine the kids that I deal with um, don't have routines in their lives never had they, they struggle with structure so nowhere in our program do we have an unstructured moment uh-huh. um, don't do open gyms for that reason there's a structure to everything there's a process to everything so uh, I hold the kids accountable to that I mean I'm so anal as to where when there's a JV going on at our level JV plays before varsity it's not boy girl um, they got to sit in the same spot in our arena we got to sit in the same spot in somebody else's gym. You are sitting within three feet of each other, um, so on and so forth. So if I do that, I have the same expectation on the coaching staff. Um, so we have very specific jobs. Um, two coaches are responsible for the individual players. What I mean by that is their behavior. So kid dunks it, pops his chest twice, points to the fans, all this stuff. I lose my temper. I sub him. He, I'm not looking at him on the way by. That's somebody else. That's that's a coach's job to explain to that young man why he just got put out. Um, I never could have played for you. Yeah, so. when I dumped it all the time. I always <laughs> popped my jersey. So, so those know. are just. But so I have two coaches that are responsible for that. Or hey, you know, you messed this this motion or this movement up. Here's why. So on and so forth. I have another coach. Uh, coach Stargell's been with me for 21 years. I'm very fortunate of that. He sits at the end of the bench and he will typically watch the defensive stuff. So the offense of the other team. Give me stand up. Give me tidbits. This and that. I have a new coach, but this was always Cedric's job was to watch our offense and what we were doing, subbing, helping me with that, kind of help manage the game. Um, and um, we are fortunate on the boys' side. I think this is something girls staff sometimes struggle with. I have I've all, I've had no less than five coaches every year I've coached. Yeah. So we want a large. We have a large staff. Problem with that is four guys might want to talk to you at a thirty second timeout. <laughs> And so that happened early on in my career. So we just got to the point, hey, go through, go through this guy, go through Cedric, he'll kind of talk to me. So I'm really communicating yep. game-wise to one coach. Yep. Um, then we have another coach, uh, Coach Huffman, one of Coach Woodard's favorite people in the world. Uh, he keeps my shot charts and stats, and yeah. he's good at it. So, um, so that's kind of our organization. But we're How many chairs do you have on the lot. bench? I a mean, lot. You could, and like, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Doug can confirm this. I don't know if this is crazy. I heard one time that he was so crazy, he had assigned seating for his coaches. So he had assigned seats to each coach on the bench. Now, maybe you have moved past that. But anyway, I got almost got to that point in the last couple of years because I wanted to know where to find people. Yeah. I wanted to know where I – and I don't sit. Um not because I'm crazy, but because I got a bad back and I just up and down always kills me. Uh-huh. Um, so I just know I want to know where to find people. Coach uh-huh. Stargell keeps things at the end of the bench in line, plus he watches yeah. that defense. So that's kind of our process. It kind of sounds crazy maybe to people, but no, um, that's... I, I really think that's relevant with everybody wanting to talk to you in a 30 or 60 second timeout, and um, especially like when, when Ritz was with me. I would I would tell my other two or three assistants, run it through Ritz. If Ritz thinks it's important, he'll run it through me, and that and that was a great, you know that that was a great system for us. And I think that that makes you know that again your assistants want are engaged. They want to be involved, 
but you can only listen to so many voices at one time, and I, and I think that's a great and concept. There's been a kind of a new wave in basketball to try to do maybe an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and give that off to people, and that's maybe been suggested to me, and I just can't do it. I can't do it because, you know what, we win three more games again and somebody's going to get fired. It's not the defensive <laughs> or offensive coordinator. It's going to be me. Yeah. So I tend to be a little bit of a control freak in that regard. Yeah. Doug? Well, um, for, I've already mentioned Steve Klein, and, and so what, he, he charts deflections, which is something we really value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we just think, you know, if we can hit 28 deflections a, a game and shoot a 36 to 38%, that's all. We have a decent chance of winning. Um just a lot of years of charting that. So he charts deflections. He also calls out a bounce plays. Um, and and uh, Coach Lordson, uh, he'll, he'll do a lot with substitutes, especially when we're playing nine or ten guys. Uh, we'll talk before the game that whether we're going to go five for five or these four in or whatever, the first and third quarters. We'll talk about it, but then I'll let him handle it. Now, if I see something I don't want, then will change that but uh um but but let him you know run with that a lot mike uh jenkins is just so good with the kids tom mentioned having somebody that can kind of work with them when they come out and you know they're probably ticked off a little bit because they're coming out they don't understand and mike and jason sanderson really do a great job at that for us and like mike i've got i don't even know how many six five six seven guys so we're really blessed in that regard. Um, and then I have Klein call out out-of-bounds plays and sometimes even echo the defenses and stuff because, you know, he's got 5X lungs. And, <laughs> and, and Krug knows about those. Uh, Krug's only 4X. Uh, but, but, but he has the 5X much like Coach Frischie used to. Oh, I, I I claim nothing at this point. So, yes. so the four people still listening to this want to know if you have assigned seating. Assigned seating for your yeah. coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we have, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you, you guys. Well, what you mean? Your guys. One of them sits the third chair one time and the ninth another time. Well, I don't. If if Vernon and Rod decide to switch seats, no, I don't like that. That's I know you don't. <laughs> no. Now, if we lose, then we might change some things. Well, there you go. Because that had everything to do with the loss. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. see, a little, little, in, little inside baseball here in yeah. the Bellevue West. Uh, uh, kind of goes program. to what Coach Woodard was just saying, too. But my assistants, I think, would rather sit at the end of the bench because they could actually watch the game right. yeah. instead of having to be seated yeah. behind me. Ritz told me on multiple occasions. I turn around, well, what do you think? He goes, well, if I could see around your ass, I can tell you what's going on, but I, I can't see anything, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll sit down for a little while, I guess. So, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Now, do you have to put a little disclaimer on this now that you said a, a cuss word? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Like, like because that, if that was that's, free, that's, that's okay. Because, Marty, if that was free reign. That, that's, that's okay. <laughs> now, if, if, if we if we say, I got no issues with saying this ass is, or hell or damn, but, Car- but then this the, is George Carlin. Yeah, it's kind of the George yeah, Car- Carlin type of thing. You can say so, on TV, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and this is this is network TV, circa 1982. <laughs> this is not 
Game of Thrones or, or something uh, like that. So I think Doug was coaching in 1982, wasn't he? I think co- was. I think Doug was coaching in 1902. So so him and him and Ritz and Shelsta, That's when they started that Metro Basketball Coaches Association. Oh, no, no, now now yeah. So um, <laughs> um, let's uh. Let's let's go with the. You guys good here? You you know we're good with that one. Yeah. Um, I, I will I will say one of the things that I, I do obsess over on the sideline, um, timeouts, individual fouls and team fouls. That's 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 one of the big things that I, I I me personally again everybody's different. I don't get too caught up in what are we shooting from the three point line or this or that. But I want to know how many timeouts both teams have. I want to know what our foul situation is both individually and team. And then, and then the other stuff we'll, we'll kind of figure out. And, and I've always given that to my JV coach uh, because they're not as involved with the game planning and that type of stuff. I always want my, my varsity assistants to be to have their eyes up. And, again, Ritz is looking at my ass the entire time, you know, but, but, but have them coaching the game. And I was so blessed. And you, you talked about it with, with, with Terry and, and you talked about it with Cedric. You got it with Steve, you know. Um, having somebody on that bench, uh, I had that with Jeff where um, – they they have that varsity coach type of point of view that 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 they're not looking at the trees they're looking at the forest right. and, and that's that's what we have to look at as as head coaches as well so I will say on a serious note as president of the Metro Coach Association I'm very concerned with the new generation of of coaches and, and assistants and the lack of the numbers that were there when I was coming up or Mark was coming up and and we've got to take as head coaches very serious role at mentoring those young folks, um, giving them uh, the excitement of coaching and working through um, mentoring them. And I know I, I heard a great, there's a coach out of Iowa that I know um, has started a great organization where it's taking older coaches such as Doug or, or Mark or myself. I mean older as in you've been doing <laughs> well, it for a lot of years. Everything's relative well, okay, geez, at this table. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm okay. on a serious thought. All right. But, All right. Uh, um, and and mentoring young coaches that are getting jobs at an earlier age, 25-year-olds are getting head coaching jobs because there's just so few people. Coaches aren't staying in it as long for multiple reasons that I, you know, we've all gotten into. Um, but what a great uh, thing that, that Tom's doing over in Iowa is to mentor young coaches and help them and pairing them with older coaches. And I just uh-huh. think... Um, you know, there's an old school mentality of, you know, I'll take care of myself, I'll hide myself, I'll you know, hide what I do, and yeah. I'll worry about myself. Well, we need to branch out and make sure that we're mentoring 20-somethings and early 30s to be head coaches because it's a different world than when I took over in 2000 and whatever and you took over in 80-something or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> and it just, uh, I worry and concern looking at the numbers of the coaches that are joining that organization used to be a vast majority of assistants well now it's a that most of the head coaches are in that organization going to clinics and there's very few assistants that are doing it other than the obvious reasons and i think this is a uh, you know a, a great way to end this tonight um other than the obvious reasons of we, we know them everybody knows the major reason you got, you got parents you know and, and, and a lot of people point out Parents are the number one reasons why I don't coach because this, Parents, that, and the other. Parents pay time. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, listen. I mean, yeah, you know, let's let's dig down into that. What what have you seen? Um, I think the uh, the the amount of um, 
time it takes is one thing. The pay is one thing. The multiple uh, directions people get pulled these these days with um, there's a million things to do with your time. Yeah. Um, I think uh, AAU basketball and, and being able to get into that summer coaching thing has taken some people away. Do people want to be teachers in general? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, there's any number of those things. Um, and then sticking it out. Get guys and gals get into it for a couple of years and see the work, see the hassle, see this, see that, and the heck with it. I can go sell insurance and coach AAU on the side. Yeah, yeah I've had I've had this conversation with with my athletic director, you know, and asked him, and actually my, my principal as well, and almost almost begging like you have to hire coaches, and you know I understand we have to hire teachers and we have to you know education is is first obviously and i'm obviously a a teacher first and and those things but when when you don't hire people that that want to coach it really puts us in a in a tough spot i mean this past year i was looking for for two assistants yeah i remember uh, when you texted me yeah i was asking everybody i knew if they knew anybody and you know i'd reach out to to former players and and people that i thought might be interested and i'm like hey is this something you think you might you might like to do oh yeah i would i would love to oh great great so you can be here every day from 3 30 to 5 30 oh well no i'm you know my job you know because yeah. they weren't teachers in the in the school building yeah um and so i really really struggled to to find people um so that was and it's not like you're in a low population area yeah I <laughs> you mean, know i mean you're not yeah you know it so and there's just not the like Tom was saying, there's just not the people knocking down the door to put all those hours in, uh-huh. um, and it's it is it is kind of a, a growing problem. Yeah. Um, so, so, coach, what do we what do we do to try and help fix this? You know, and and try to encourage younger people to to dive in and and kind of earn their stripes to, you know, this is a, a worthy investment. Well, I, I don't think we're going to get. A huge pay raise. Um, <laughs> ah, I don't think that's it. happening. Yeah. Uh, the the time factor can't be changed, really. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be any good, you got to invest time. Um, the, to me, one of the biggest factors that could change would be coaches feeling like um, they're in a supportive situation. In other words, uh, whether it's if they got to deal with parents. Um, if they had to make a tough call, if they've got a supportive administration, if they've yeah. got, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, to have situations like that. Um, and I know that a lot of people get out because they don't necessarily feel that support. And I think that's something that, that it's hard I think that's a huge to justify part of it. Yeah. taking a not a great salary, to justify all the time. And then, you know, I got to make this call and I can't even be backed up here. I, I think that that's um, that's something that could go a long ways because that's something that can change. Uh, you know, n- none of us should be supported if we were wrong in a situation. But, I mean, if if you did it right and, and you just don't want to, some administrator just doesn't want to piss off a family or something, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you gotta you got to support your people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are two great coaches in our area. One was a boys, one was girls great people been doing it a long time great educators both got let go not renewed for not winning games one of them's a hall of famer um and so that's got to change you know we got to value we get back to valuing 
basketball as part of the education process. It's nice to win championships. We've all won them. Um, it, it's so well. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it is. It's part of. And, I, and I, I'm not saying we do everything right at Boys Town, but the sports there is part of a bigger picture. And I think in a normal school situation, that bigger picture is getting lost. Yeah. And it's in that need. We need to get back to that if we're going to get good people in there. And I've got children who are playing, and who. And I'll tell this to anybody, young family coming up, who coaches your kid is incredibly important. Whether that's third grade basketball, high school basketball, you want good people around your kid, and then you release them to that kid, release them to that coach, and you let them be coached. Um, and that's hard to do, and I think that's even parents are losing sight of that. I don't know the administration part of it, but we've got to get back to making the, uh, the basketball piece of it part of the bigger overall educational process. Yeah. And, stop running people out of their jobs for wins and losses. Well, I was, you know, Doug, you talked about it earlier. You've got to come up with a new press break because Chucky's at Wisconsin now. <laughs> you know, I was I was, I was, was really smart when I had a certain combination yeah. of, of, of kids. You know, I didn't have to run a press break for three or four years because I had a couple of guards that were really good, you know, and nobody, and stuff like that. You know, I didn't get dumber when those kids graduated, you know, that type of a thing. And I think that, I, I think that so much, I, I, I will say this, I, I think, and, and Connor O'Neill put something on Twitter uh, today, I did see that, where he talked about how um, a lot of people bash AAU basketball. They said that there's no good coaches at AAU basketball and all this and all that. No, there's a lot of really good coaches who are really invested in their kids at AAU sure. basketball. Um but you, you're, you're invested in those kids, and crap, I forgot my point that I was going to talk about with Connor's well, tweet. Uh, I'll just say Joe. this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, God, I'm, you, you I'm, talk I'm, for a little bit, and I'll think of it. I'm friends yeah. with, I got to know these two guys through the summer. I got to meet Doug Woodard. Because yeah. I was an assistant at Scott at twenty something, I didn't know who he was. I'm not an Omaha guy. I yeah. lived in Iowa, and Dan Schinzel introduces me to Doug. Uh, I asked him as an assistant, "What can I do for the Crusaders? You know, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll, I ran this. We ran this stupid tournament. I caused him eight million times of problems, which is a whole other podcast. But and I'm, I met Kruger through summer basketball. So there's yeah. good people with good inten- with great intentions. Exactly doing summer. So it's not just it's not the cesspool. No, no. no. Oh, I, I think I remember my point, but I might lose it again along the way. <laughs> uh, there, there's most of the people that do this job are really qualified, and they're in it for the right reasons. Yeah. Right. And and when you reward those that maybe don't do it as well, but they win, and you penalize those that are doing everything that they possibly can to give those kids a great experience. But their players just aren't good enough, and that's nothing against the kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you, you're, you're blessed with the athleticism and the players yeah. that, that you that you have. Um, you know, that's when good people look at it and go, "That's not that's because I'm a good person. I'm not going to subject myself to that." Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's the that's the bad part of it. Uh, and 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 it's whether it's and it's not just it's not just AAU. It's not just high school ball. Heck, it's not even just college ball. It's 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 everything, and and there's there's a certain threshold for wins and losses. And yeah, we're all under pressure to win, and we want to win. But I've always seen it as 
if I ever got into administration, which I will never get into administration, but if I ever got into administration, I would just look at my coach. I would say, have you maxed out your kids? You know, if you had eight win talent, did you win somewhere between seven and ten games? Okay, then you've done your job. And that would be my evaluation process, you know, and, and I think that's where, you know, and I know one of the people that you're talking about, you're talking to somebody that's been to multiple state championship games who is a great person who I've spent a lot of time with. And for that person to get run out of that job who invested that much into that community is just the, the level of, of frustration that, that you look at. That, that situation is losing a heck of a lot more than they're winning by replacing that person, in my opinion. And I, I don't know where you guys are at on that, but I'm, I'm guessing it's probably close to the same thing. So, sorry, I'll get off my, yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. So, so, anything else, guys? Kruger, what do legs on a wine mean? It's got something to do with how it runs down the glass. Yes, it's the alcohol level. Alcohol level. <laughs> Thought we had that worked out in Indianapolis. Let's <laughs> let's end on this. Let's let's end on this, Tom. Yes. Give us give our listeners the same lesson that you gave us at the table about the difference between putting a bottle of wine um, well, upright, well, well, whether whether it's on the side. Well, Coach Woodard was harassing me that all the wines in this on the shelf are standing upright. And I was trying to tell him that those wines should be moving off my shelf pretty quickly. But well, that's the they, proprietor's job. That's you're, exactly supposed right. to, you're supposed but to do that, that job. But if you were going to buy a nice bottle of wine and store it for a number of years, you store it on its side, uh, preferably in your basement, um, in a cold uh, sub-60 or right around 60, uh, preferably sub-60. And the reason you do that is so that the wine touches the cork, and then the cork doesn't dry out cork shrinks when it dries out and it likes oxygen. Is there anybody listening to Tom Crane will talk about that. corks right now? We'll find out on Monday no, morning really, and I'll get really back like to you. Thank, oh. I'd really like to thank my mom for sticking around for the whole podcast. I'm going to go talk to the Freenies. All right. Well, hey, I don't know if anybody learned anything about basketball. <laughs> but are talking about websites, nothing but sets. You know, you say that <laughs> <laughs> they got a pretty loose. Uh, right. They got a pretty loose uh, internet system down there in the Bellevue yeah. Public School <laughs> System. Hey, 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 Marty, yeah. what's your next podcast going to be after we've run this one into the ground for you for the likes? <laughs> I got to go to confession after this one, guys. I will be honest with you, Marty. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Oh so no, much. hey, you know what, guys? Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, Tom Crable, head boys basketball coach at Boys Town. Mark Kruger, head girls basketball coach at Millard West. Doug Woodard. The Don Corleone of Omaha here uh, at uh, Bellevue West. Uh, this has been a great roundtable discussion. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. Uh, we covered a lot of different topics, a lot of different things here. And, and these are always fun to have because we get to sit face-to-face, so we get to, to read each other. And, and, and now that, that COVID is better, I don't know which direction we're going with it, but hopefully we can do more of these roundtable discussions. Amen to all that. Absolutely. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.